Why Hockey Podcast, part of the Why Hockey Podcast Department of Excellence. These are the kind of jokes you get after we don't do a show for two months, right? <laughs> that was a good one. I know. That's why I'm saying if you have two months, you can prepare and you can get some good content going. Good yep. jokes. Yep, we got three mats. You know, we got a couple, uh, couple consultants uh, who speak French and yep. uh, ready to rock and roll. I, do the jokes sound funnier in French, for those of you who are translating, than they do in English? I'm just curious. <laughs> do we have a... Do we have a... I, I can tell you one thing, though. The people of France will not find these jokes funny, because any Quebecois French, they don't actually consider that French. No, they would consider it a pigeon language of French. Very good, very good. Love to <clears> use the term pigeon. I can't believe we got to that. Uh, yes, we're extremely excited to be back. It's been two months of basically nothing happening in the world of hockey, although the Panthers have still somehow tried to make news multiple times during this period. But now that we know that January 13th, we will have hockey once again. We're extremely excited that hockey is back, even though in some cases, I don't know how excited you really can be because we still are in the middle of a crushing global pandemic, and uh, it's, not, it's not good right now. And I will make this one point clear before we get into all of the fun that we can talk about on this particular show. If you are going to Panthers games, actual games at the BB&T Center at the start of this season in January, February, when the virus is still spreading like wildfire and going to an indoor building, though how big it is and no matter how what the Panthers are saying about environmental record or whatever it is, you are insane. I mean that in the nicest way possible. We are insane. We follow the Florida Panthers. We have yelled and screamed about them more than any normal, rational human being should. We haven't really made much, you know, in terms of Twitter content, you know, Twitter followers, or money off of doing this. It is a labor of love. We are insane. If you are going to a Panthers game in January for a home game, a rando home game against the Red Wings, who are probably going to be number one in contention for the draft lottery again, you are insane to a level that we are not, and I congratulate you on that insanity. Please don't catch the virus when you go to the games. I beg of you. I said the team would be the death of me, but I you didn't I actually mean it literally. Yeah, and I wouldn't actively seek it out uh, as such. I I don't know, you know, on a good year. Uh, for the Panthers, I don't know what would possess me to go down, spend twenty dollars on parking, you know, an extra twenty in food or thirty in food, uh, you know, seven eight dollar beers at best, uh, and that kind of stuff to to watch that product on the ice. Um, much better from the home from the home where you can turn it off after a period if it goes the wrong way. Correct. Uh, you're you're taking a huge gamble on because this is not a team that consistently shows up, especially in the beginning of a season. Uh, and with a lot of turnover and everything, there's a lot of chance and optimism for better results. But there's also that there's also the chance they get steamrolled <laughs> by the Lightning five times in the first week of the season. Right. It's it's a whole new world. I mean. You know, for better or for worse, hockey's back. Uh, it, it's 56 games. It's going to be a temporary realignment, which we'll discuss in, in a little more detail in a minute. But teams are switching divisions. Uh, you know, they're, they're really jumping through a lot of hoops and getting creative to make this season happen, which is nice to see, of course. And uh, after the play-in series and – 
um, you know, the outcome of the Stanley Cup. I think, you know, everyone's default is it's better to have something than nothing uh, because of the something we had and how nice it was. But I think that is going to be fundamentally different from what we're going to see here. Uh, it's a whole new equation, and I and I don't really know if we can, ex- you know, continue those expectations and standards from the the playoff bubble uh, into this season. It's going to be uh, very very interesting to see how it plays out, but I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to see it too, personally, because I just want to see what banner ads the Panthers have covering the seats that already had ads on them to begin with. Yeah, and, and for reference, Dallas is also intending. The only two states right now that are going to allow fans in are the two states you would expect, or Florida and Texas. Right. So, yeah. I mean, it, it is not anything that you would have expected. And listen, I fully expected this to be the case, and it is not like the Panthers were going to say, hey, the state's allowing us to have fans. We're going to not do that. There's no way they were going to do that because they are the Panthers, even though they don't have many fans showing up to dinner. Can I make one comment first before I continue this point? If you're still making Panthers attendance jokes after a global pandemic in the worst year in human history, or the modern era of human history in 2020, if you're still making Panthers attendance jokes, you probably should just close the Twitter app, take about 15 seconds to breathe, and then turn the app back on again if you feel so inclined. We don't need more Panthers attendance jokes. They've all been made when life was kind of normal. You don't need to make them when life is clearly not normal. Thank you very much. Anyway, I will say that again. If you're going to these games, respectfully, you're insane. Please don't get the virus while you're there. But more insane I, than being a Panthers fan requires. I know. More the, insane it, than the normal level of Panthers fandom and following this team as closely as we do. Yeah. Anyway, now, if you're going to watch the Lightning raise the Stanley Cup banner, as I said before, there's a little element of, okay, fine, I understand that. But even then, still. I mean, yeah, let, what, let's what be honest, net, it's only going to be net? like 2,500 fans in the BB&T Center and like 2,500 yeah. in Dallas. It's not going to be a lot. It's not going to be. I think they're going to probably cap it at like 5,500 or something like that, 8,500 at most, and depending well, on be, the it'll footprint. It'll be low for now, but as things get better with the virus and more people take the vaccine, you'll, you'll see it increase as the season goes on. I will make this prediction that it's really not that bold. By the time we get to May when the season ends, the three teams that will have fans in the building to start will not be the only three teams to have fans in the building by the end. I can say that probably for sure if the things go the way we hope with right. the Right. I bet you St. Louis would be a team that jumps on that bandwagon pretty early. Yeah, I think St. Louis might. You, you, you'll find other teams that will eventually get the, there. I think Columbus could be a team that eventually gets there. It depends on where you are. Maybe the Coyotes. Obviously Vegas. Uh, Vegas could, could too. It, it depends on where it goes. But as I said, it will. these teams will not be the only three that have fans by the end of the season. And I think most every arena might have fans by the time we get to the playoffs. Not full, but I think by the time we get to the playoffs, which are in May and June, you'll probably have fans. But as I said, if, you're going, if you're going in April and May, that's different than going in January. I'll just make that what, point abundantly clear. What's my, my – I guess my question is, what's the net benefit? Like, what, what are you getting out of going to a Panthers early season game and, and taking these risks and jumping through these hoops and, you know, just to what, say you did it? Just to, you know, see well, what it's like? Well, you can like? say you I saw mean, like, Sasha Barkov, and that's good. Or, uh, that's, in my case, you could say you saw Alex Wenberg in person. But even right. I'm not going to do that, so there you are. To me, I mean, at, from a league team perspective, I wouldn't necessarily start the season adding on these extra risks. Uh, 
Now, the difference is, the difference is, because the fans are so separate from the players, like, it's not like the players are going to catch it if somebody goes to the building with it. It's been proven that that doesn't happen. I mean, if it didn't happen in the NFL, which in many places had fans for a while and still do, it's not going to happen in the NHL, I don't think. It's still, it's not a good, it's not the best look in the world. It's not just that. I mean, I think the problem is too many people just think about it in black and white, one layer or one dimensional one to one ratios of like risk levels and things like that. But you know, you're requiring now more staff, more th- more people to be at the at yeah, the Yeah, it, it is it fans, is a little bit it the, is a little risky. And then but... and then what are the what are the limitations on who's coming to these games? Are these local people? I mean the I people, think they're limiting the it to who, like 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 long times i don't know what the panthers have planned on this it's something obviously we'll look into before it starts but i think it's going to be like if you're a long time season ticket holder and you haven't opted out etc etc probably the fans are a whole different variable that you have to account for in your risk profile and you know your logistics and everything in setting up this season than teams than players who are in a bubble, who you know when and where they, where they were ca- coming from, et cetera, like that, and who you know, you're you're bringing in a lot of staff to to poli- to you know you have to bring in more staff if you have fans. Uh, you're gonna have to have some concessions and stuff, which is you know more services and everything. And obviously, there's f- some pressure probably from vendors and partners that. Uh, Florida and the stars have to, you know, get some return on this money and, and, you know, the, the sitting retail space, as far as they're concerned in the, in the, in these buildings. You that know what's interesting? And, and it brings up this point when people were talking about some owners being like, we don't really want to play at all. We're losing money. And I saw somebody mention Florida. I was laughing because, you know, the Panthers are hiring a lot of people still during this pandemic. And you also have to take into account, what is Vinnie Viola's primary method of making money? The stock market. The stock market does not you really seem to be connected to reality at this point. So Vinnie's probably still making money. Currency you know. manipulation and in, in I mean not to be well, targeted. Something like by that. But you know, but like he's still making money. If you're if you're Tom Gillardi and your primary business is getting totally wrecked by the pandemic, you're in a different position than Vinny Viola, whose primary business is not getting wrecked by the pandemic. Right, but he's still sort of way. he's still incentivized by something to take take extra risks of the public black eye of something of cases happening or something going wrong and having fans for the little bit of extra money it puts it it's, it's back. It's one of those things the... where it's like if you if you're going to allow it, it's not that they're going to say no. It's just it's one of those things where it's. I hope the Panthers are very careful with this because again, the optics of if it goes wrong are really bad, and it's not right. like and... this franchise hasn't already screwed up optics multiple thousands of times, as we saw in the last season. I don't want to well, spend too much I, time I, talking about this, but I mean, I just it... want to I just want to finish up with one point, and that is, it's not that I'm against fans in general and everything i agree that it should be a little later in the season and stuff after the vaccine gets a little you know disseminated a bit more and but the main thing is get the season off the ground i mean two weeks ago we were we were talking about possibly not even having a season and you know if let's get all these players in and through their quarantine bubbles and in training camp and and 
Let's just get the season. I agree with that. Stuff. It's like it's you know one of those mean? things let's where it's like, let's spin off with the cart before the horse. Right. Let's get the yeah. season off the ground. And because there are going to be – there could possibly be teams – you know, we're seeing it with Canada, and it might happen with the Sharks, where they might not even be able to play in their home rinks to start the season, and the Panthers may have fans. Now, that also has to do with local rules and things, but it's like, again, I, I kind of agree exactly. with you on putting the cart before the horse. Exactly. Anyway, I mean, if we're talking about arenas and stuff, I mean, there's a lot more pressing than should fans be allowed in or, or not. It's are teams even going to be allowed to play in their home arenas, or are they going to have to be like the Toronto, the Toronto Raptors and find new homes? I mean, I think it's different because, and the funny thing about that, as people were talking about, is because the NHL has seven teams in Canada and can do an all-Canadian division without the border issue, it's a little bit different than the Raptors having to play in Tampa while the border get... issue is still a mess, or like the Blue Jays playing yeah. in Buffalo. Like, I, I understand that, and it stinks for the Raptors, I understand. Uh, and Ball's like, they're also allowing fans in the arena at Amelie Arena for the time being, which is also kind of hilarious when you think about it. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's, it's just it's one of those things where the NHL kind of had that built-in advantage of will the Canadian division be allowed? Now, with the local politics on whether these teams are allowed to even play, that's not something I'm going to get into because I'm not familiar with it. I'm not even right. super familiar with what's happening in Santa Clara County, which I know decently well enough with the Sharks. Anyway, let's point yeah, out. But, again, you know, take care of that kind of stuff first. As I said, it's going to get easier as the season goes on once they get into a rhythm and once the vaccine's more available to, you know, the average person. And I don't think this is as much of an issue when the season ends as opposed to when it is when it starts in a couple of weeks. So that's our spiel on that. Let's talk about what the Panthers have been spending the last couple of months doing. And uh, did we, we didn't talk about um, Eric Joyce on this show, did we? Because I think that happened after we did our last show. I um, no, but... I don't really want to – I'm just well, happy to move he forward. Left. Uh, he left and he went to Toronto. And so I hope he has great success in Toronto, and I hope that both parties are having a mutually beneficial agreement to part ways. But in that vein, the Panthers have spent a lot of time remaking their front office, and everybody talks about how these teams have no money. Well, the Panthers are still hiring a ton of people. And it just – it doesn't seem like, you know, oh, my God, they're hiring a lot of people when you think about it. I mean, they're building an entirely new front office, and maybe we thought that might be harder during a pandemic where nobody has any money. Uh, but Panthers are apparently proving not, not so much. Uh, and, and so much as the individuals are interesting, Paul Thropelka came over from Carolina. Uh, Brett Peterson, he's the first – believed to be the first black assistant general manager in the league. He came over from, I think it was the Acme Agency, which, of course, Bill Zeno knows well. Shane Trill is now one of their directors of amateur scouting. You know, he also, uh, Peterson is also, I believe, Charlotte and Carolina, maybe, or something like that. Yeah, I mean, Krapelka yeah. was definitely Charlotte and Carolina. Um, Some, someone was. Yeah, Krapelka was, and, and Peterson came over from uh, the agencies that uh, I think it was. I, it was either Acme or Wasserman. I can't remember which. Um, and, of course, they also hired Shane Charla, who's now amateur scouting director. He apparently was not the one really running the drafts in Montreal, which is, you know, decent news because Montreal's drafts were kind of hit and miss. So... It is interesting to see that this front office is being built in a certain way. Um, of course, we saw Gregory Campbell being added at, at a point during the start of, of Zito's tenure. It's a very different-looking front office than I think a lot of people thought because remember when everybody freaked out about, you know, oh, they're going to bring in, uh, wow, what was the name of the horrible GM from Minnesota whose name I'm forgetting? Paul, Paul no, no. Paul, Paul no, Fenton. Paul, yeah, and he was wasn't Fenton. horrible. He didn't click well, right just away. Lizards. They fired just, him just, right away. Just lots of lizards. 
I remember the Lizards. I completely forgot who it is. And and also, um, who else was it? Um, former Kevin GM Fiala of the Thrashers. Looks real good. What? His Kevin Fiala trade looks real good. It, and does, it does look really good now. And uh, what was the name of the former GM of the Thrashers who well, used to work I'll with Rick down. Dudley? Rick Dudley, that's who it was. Yeah. You know, see, these things happened seven months ago, or it feels like they happened seven months ago. So everybody was like, oh, the Panthers, look at this. And now look at the front office that they've built. It's a very interesting front office. And I think there isn't much to say about the individuals until we see what does this mean in terms of process and scouting and development. But... It seems, of course, as we talked about on this podcast in the past, the Panthers had a front office that was pulling in 15 different directions, which obviously wasn't very good. But now that Bill Zito has his guys in, these guys plus Chris Boucher plus the other, I think they hired somebody else analytics related that I'm forgetting. This front office, at least to start right now, is all pulling in the same direction. They're all simpatico. And that is not something the Panthers have had in a very long time. And Again, we shouldn't really be congratulating the Florida Panthers for doing things that normal teams have done for years. But when you see what he's building, you can say, okay, I like the program that is being started to use college football terms or a college basketball term. It, it's a good start. It's a foundation from which you build on top of. And when the Panthers had a very shaky foundation in the past, you can't build on a shaky foundation. But this, again, they're hiring people not because – oh, it's going to make us look good that we hire these people. Bill Zito's hiring these people because these are going to be good people to hire. I want them in my front office. I want these different varied perspectives. And again, I'll take the optimism of, well, cautious optimism of seeing that there's going to be a front office that is all going one way and they all seem to be on the same page and that will lead to a better product eventually if this one direction continues. Hopefully. I mean, I, I agree. I think that the hiring, you know, was kind of necessitated. And I think, you know, that's something that Viola always has to blame himself for. Uh, you know, when you create this turnover, you have to then commit to it by letting them do some of the backfilling and hiring on, you know, that needs to happen on the other end. Uh, so that kind of, you know, pandemic or not was going to have to happen. And, you know, we all just kind of had to suck that up. Um, so, you know, I'm not really going to give that's kind of what needed to happen. Uh, and I'm happy happen, it did. But when you think about the hires, they're all pretty respected folks in hockey. You know, it's not like they're hiring guys. And, you know, as much as the retread thing is a problem in hockey, these are kind of mm. newer faces. Right. They're getting bigger opportunities, you know. Brett but, I, mean, I don't want to. I don't. But again, I mean, you're you're asking me to give credit because they're they're hiring guys. Oh, look, they're hiring these guys and stuff. And yeah, they may be credible, but like some of them, like Rick Dudley. I mean, I think he's been recycled so much. He's in the discount bin. And then you have some guys who are coming from an agency getting a pretty elevated title, like AGM, who even if he's credible and up to the task, and you know, I'm optimistic about and I'm happy about the move. Uh, his he's compared to other AGMs that they'd hire, uh, you know, at that same credibility level, probably has a lower price tag. Uh, and and we could you know, we're talking about hiring a goalie consultant for this goalie academy of excellency or department of excellency or whatever. Uh, you're you're basically paying a consultant, uh, which yeah, I guess a fancy way of saying that. I guess, 
I guess you could say it's you know you know by the hour and stuff it might be the exorbitant fees, but you're not you know it's not an, you're not getting that much out of them. It's, well, and every, let's see how the goaltending in the organization so, I mean, evolves they're, they're, before we say they're, that. Yeah, but. but like they're billing it as oh we we're adding this whole department, but they're not. They added one consultant. The other guys have always been there, and you know Luongo's a brother discount probably. You yeah. know uh, Luongo's a discount. Because he's already because here. He's already getting paid to do to not play. Uh, you know. And Rob Callis is here because Talis, they just apparently can't fire him. Callis probably hasn't gotten a raise in ten years because his raise is not getting fired every year. You know? Like I, I don't so again, I'm not going to say this ownership is doing well with money, blah blah blah, or all this stuff for the incredible for an incredibly low bar. The only thing I want to give him credit for is product on the ice. I mean, I haven't seen it yet with this team, so I can't say anything. Well, yeah, there is no way to know what this front office is going to do until it if, does if it. I, if I'm going to say anything, it's there's six and a half, six point six million in cap space. Sorrell is unsigned, and there's no clear two C on the team. So again, there's there's can be more money spent. So I'm I'm that's still another reason for me not to dole out some applause uh you know no, i'm not applauding them and, and let me be clear it's just it just looks like there is cautious optimism if you want to have it there's reason to believe that there is now i would say a better direction coming the only reason because of that is zito i think is a better manager of the purse strings and uh, temperament and keeping things at an even keel and long term tra- on a long term trajectory and process than some say someone like Talon or Joyce uh, or some of the more uh, contentious fractions. Stan Bowman, it turns out. I mean, yeah, yeah, but I mean, like I I I think that um, you know the optimism is in that is in Zito more so than the ownership and as. And is in really just, um, you know, liking some of the moves. Like, I, I do like Wenberg a lot, and I think that he's better than he's being given credit for. Uh, and and you know, liking the prospects who can st- who's stepping in and filling the. Uh, I, um, I think some of it is new is still new car smell. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, but, if we're if we're looking at this team on paper, if if we're looking at this front office on paper, if we're looking at this ownership on paper, there's still a lot of question marks. And if we're looking at on ice production, it's all question marks are, you know, in the red. So I, there's, you know, we're, we're going into a year that looks like it's already being, it can easily be right offable. It can easily be positioned as, you know, toss it out the window, blah, blah, blah. You have a lot of new factors you have a lot of crazy out of the box pandemic factors, and then you're you're trying to extend Barkov in the off season coming up, and you're pro you with looking at this division that they're in. I, I mean, there's still a lot of unknown, and I'm just coming at this with. You're coming at it from the let's see how, where I, this I, goes, but you have less you know, fatalistic pessimism than you would if this was Talon. I think is basically what you're saying. Yeah, but convince me to watch games. There still has to be a lot of like, I mean, I'm looking at this roster. It's it's really there's a lot of wingers who play both sides. Again, 
we don't even know who the centers are on this team. We don't even know the framework of how this team is, is even going to size up or even what the top six look, look, looks like. I mean, they're... I was doing some of that gaming it in my head just randomly, you know, when you have downtime, when you can't go anywhere, you think about these things. And we're going to talk about that in a second because we do need to yeah, talk about one signing that happened. Let's talk about the bigger, fa- like the bigger factors of, you know, being in a new division. It's the central. You're thinking, oh, well, they're getting moved into the central. Coach Q, we're going to be, we're going to rock this thing. Uh, you know, it's not really they're... the same central division, though. <laughs> right, yeah. It's barely, the, it's barely, it's the island of misfit toys. It's the, oh, well, we can't put you in the Northeast because you're not Northeast teams. You can't be in Canada, obviously, and uh, you're not in the Pacific time zone. So here you are, everybody. Let's just shunt you together. But and... there are a lot of teams that I, I think are very competitive with Florida Panthers and hold an advantage to Florida Panthers. Oh, definitely. Uh, and... I would say this division is a step down from where they were in the last division. I, I think, think I think this division has less like oh my god top end scary teams, but the problem is and I know you'll agree with me on this. Now that it's confirmed that Dallas is in this division and not Minnesota, which is what it looked like at the start, uh the Panthers have the sixth best roster in this division. I don't think that there's any way you could cut it otherwise. Right. Now, that does not mean that they will be the sixth best team. But on paper, they have the sixth best roster. They are better than Chicago, who is who is going to have no goaltending, and Detroit, who is rebuilding. But other than that, they are not well, better than the other teams in this division. I, I would say, I, I would argue and say they're close enough to Nashville. Nashville's in that division, right? Yes. The division, I would if say you that haven't seen it, is, yeah, is Tampa, it. Florida, Carolina, Columbus, Nashville, Chicago, Detroit, Dallas. So when I would, you think when you think about this division, you think, okay, Tampa is so clearly better than everybody else. Let's focus on two through whatever, and you start thinking, okay, I can see a universe in which the Panthers are better than some of them, but they need to be better than two of them just to make the playoffs. And as we stand right now with the questions that they have, I'm not sure that you could convince me at this stage where we're sitting on December 21st as we're recording this, that they are going to be better than two of them. Now, again, that could change. There are reasons to think that it could get better, but these are all teams that are going to be very, very hard to be better than, especially since you're playing them eight times. The league this year is essentially four separate entities and the Panthers. So what happens in the division in the Northeast, the old the Patrick division, basically. You, ignore that, because that has no bearing on what happens with Florida. Focus on these teams, and when you look at it, you go, okay, maybe they're better than Nashville. I don't think Nashville's coach is good, but I think that that roster has potential. Maybe I mean, they're, yeah, you're, you're hoping uh, to me. Maybe maybe you in, in with a team like the Predators, you're hoping that the coach ruins them, which is kind of well, what happened at the end of last season. Yeah, you just hope. Well, Florida can outscore Nashville, and that that's what you'd hope it'd get to. Because I really don't like Nashville's forward group. And I, I think that when I when that's I, let, about it. That's yeah. the that's the issue. In Nashville is the coach and the forward group. I I will let's focus on and then we'll compare the Panthers to each of these teams because we should talk about the signing that they made like a couple days ago, um, which is, I think, very typical of what the Panthers under Bill Zito have done this offseason, and that's at signing Anthony Duclair. Uh, $1.7 million for a year when I think the contract he was offered was 4.25 over three years, 
uh, in October, and obviously the pandemic screwed everything up. But to get him a guy who can be a legitimate offensive threat for that price for one year, I mean, he's also going to be at least two to three billion bucks cheaper than Mike Hoffman, who is essentially who he's replacing. Uh, that this is a very good signing, and there's only upside with it because if it doesn't work, you can get rid of him really easily, and if it works great you've just found yourself a 20 goal score for less than two million bucks great wonderful yeah yeah i mean the only downside like would be he becomes a 20 goal scorer and then he's off the team next year because you're not signing him because his price tag's going up but great for him good for, and you know florida but was in one of those bill zito signings that well, it, it shows you like i'm looking for guys where i know this season's going to be stupid and i have no idea how it's going to end i'm looking yeah. for guys that i'm familiar with and I know well, exactly I mean, what I'm going to get out of him. He backed himself up into the corner because he didn't sign that enough to a recent, decent, con, you know, a pretty reasonable contract. He didn't lock in another score. Uh, he was chasing Duclair the whole whole time. Uh, and again, Duclair is a good signing. Uh, I would like to see them maybe add like Granlin uh, for you know if you can maybe get Granlin for a year at three million or you know three and a half. Well, he'd be even cheaper than that at this point. I mean, maybe. I, I, I don't know. But it's so funny I, I, because now that the season's officially happening, there's so many moves that are going to need to happen, and who knows what they're going to look like. But know? again, the thing is, Miguel Granlin's the one of the only top six options available, whether you think he can play center or wing, or he's more of a top six if somebody gets hurt option. He's still the only, one of the only guys available for free that you can actually realistically say, yes, he can play on a second line. And Florida needs somebody who can maybe be a 2C. I would say Granlin is a better shot at a 2C than Wenberg, um, especially because I'd prefer to give Wenberg a better chance at success and a little more space. Uh, and the matchups as a third-line center should probably give him that space to uh, find that confidence in his playmaking again. I mean, I want to get him back to the 40 assists, Wenberg, and you know it'd be nice for Florida to to re to recoup that value on him and mm -hmm. or trade him or something. Um, but you know, Granlin would be a nice add, but I think Duclair does is that Dadnov replacement where he kind of does a little bit of everything. He can he'll, he's not as good defensively, but I think that the <laughs> offensive punch when you get him like Dadanoff was consistent and but kind of under the radar like he'd do the Dadanoff things in every game and he and there would be times when he wouldn't score but you know it wasn't kind of noticeable in the same way like when a Mike Hoffman didn't score it was really noticeable because he was a black hole at even strength you didn't have a line where you could play him he was moved up and down in yo-yo Duclair is going to be a little bit more consistent I think it's going to be easier for him to develop chemistry in that sort of way. I don't think he's going to be great defensively, but he's not a black hole defensively. Um, and also, when he gets on, we've seen it in his career, he scores in bunches. So even in a 56-game season, if he's got an, a run, let's say, with Barkov and Huberto, which is something that I think will happen at some point, you could easily see him getting goals for fun at a point. Because you know, even if the Panthers are going to be a little bit tighter defensively, this is still a team that can run and gun. And that suits Anthony Duclair really well. I think that he's going to have – I think he could have a really good season, again, depending on where he plays. But you wouldn't be surprised, and I wouldn't be surprised, if he gets an extended run playing with Barkoff and Uberto for a while. Possibly. Uh, you know, or 
I, I don't. I honestly don't know what they're going to do with this team. Again, who is the second line center? Is so let's let's do, let's, let's do a little bit of um. Let's do a bit of um. You know, back of the back of the envelope. Like, what does this lineup look like? And of course, we have no idea because they're not starting training camp until January third. And by the time we do a season preview show, we'll have a better idea of what. My um, back Joel of, Quenville thinks. My back of the envelope is two C's, five million dollars of cap space. Figure out how to go use it. I, I think what's interesting about <laughs> that, and I and I don't disagree with you that there could be an upgrade at two C, but cap space in this league when the cap's not going up is a huge weapon. You can do a lot of things with it, and I'm I think Bill Zito might be waiting to say. And again, this could change by the there, time you listen Florida's to this. Florida's not because, a team that. Ooh. Florida's not a team that needs to weaponize cap space. They're a team that needs to improve their fucking No, roster. I'm saying they... weaponize cap space in the way that, let's say, somebody has a complete like, disaster like the Lightning. Can we make you an offer for, you well, know? Well, Lightning, the Lightning like seem like they're getting a reprieve. It doesn't seem like Kucharov's playing this year. So well, at least cap. for the time being, he might have to be LTIR to start. And we're seeing a lot of weirdo LTIR things, which we'll get to at some point. Um, but let's let's just do a back of the envelope. What do you think the lines look like? If this is the roster we see uh, come opening night, I would assume that Denisenko and Tippett make it. Particularly Denisenko, I think he's going to be on the roster, no doubt. Uh, so what you texted me the lines. I want you to go over them and talk about what you see, and then I'll go with my guesses. All right. Well, we'll start with uh, goalies because I think it'll be pretty easy. I think they'll do Bobrovsky, Dreger, and then they'll you know taxi up. Montembeau or Bednard, mm. if necessary. Here's the interesting thing with Bobrovsky. Because all these teams in the division, except Tampa, that they're going to be competing with, have goalie tandems. Nashville's got Rene and Saros. Columbus has Merzlikens and Corpusalo. Carolina's got Reimer and Mrazek, whatever you think of them. And Dallas is Kudobin and Bishop. The Panthers are not going to be playing Chris Drieger very often. If I, I would think you're going to see Bobrovsky play every, like, like 40 like 42 to 48 games this year he's gonna play a lot and i'm not saying that that's a, that's a bad thing because i think he will be better this year but he's gonna play a lot and one of the keys to the panthers being good this season is a better Bobrovsky, and i think he's going to be better by inertia because he won't be as bad as last year because the team's not going to be as bad defensively but he's gonna play a lot and that's going to be one of those interesting things to see with a season that's so compressed how does Bobrovsky play when he's got a lot of workload, does that allow him to get into a rhythm? Does that allow him to find some confidence? It's going to be very interesting to see how the Panthers utilize that with Bobrovsky this season. It's going to be one of the more interesting stories goaltending-wise in the league. The key is back-to-backs. Do we know for sh- sure kind of like the if there's going to be a, a huge increase in back-to-backs? I, or since, the, since the regular season's going to end in May, I think that they're going to, they're going to be some. You're going to see home-and-homes all the time. But I don't know how many they're going to be. Again, when we look at the schedule, I don't think there's going to be a dramatic increase in back-to-backs. But there will be some. And I, I think they're going to try to even it out across the league to make sure everybody has just about as many of them as they can. You know, so, like, nobody's yeah. overwhelmed with them. But, but I mean, but, if, if, it's a, if there's a lot of back-to-backs, I could see that becoming a situation where Florida is going to have to lean on Dreger or Bednard or Montembeau or, you know, picking somebody up off waivers or trying, you know, a goalie who shakes loose in camp making a trade or doing something to get a veteran or somebody that they, because uh, if there's, you know, 20 or so back to back, you can't, if it's a 50, 
some games, 56 game season and 20 back to backs. You can't expect. I don't think it'll, I, I would think it will be something like 10 to 12, probably. That's just a guess. That's still that's still going to be hard. It's a lot. But I mean, I if you're if you're saying be... if you're saying Dreger's just taking those back to back starts, or if a case like Bobrovsky's had know? a couple of off nights and hey, we're playing the Red Wings, you know, we can put Dreger in this game. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I mean, hey, we've what... got a stretch where we got to play Tampa, Nashville, Carolina, but we got this Detroit game. Let's let's give Dreger the Red Wing game. That's the easy game. You know what you know what I mean? Yeah, like, we'll see. We'll see what the uh, excellence department puts up. Puts um, up on. Well, what does Francois Lair think of Bobrovsky? Is an interesting thing that I guess he didn't yeah, talk. I, to, he was on Thirty One Thoughts, but he didn't say much about what he thought about I, Bobrovsky. I we'll love see what this that looks like this year. I love the way that Florida is handling Bobrovsky of just putting a shit ton of money at his hand, like give him a shit ton of money, put a lot on the table and have a lot riding on his performance. Yeah. And then, you know, keep Talis around, uh, you know, have Luong, have, you know, Luongo have his brother and, you know, may or may not be good, has a decent resume, whatever, probably more to like minor league affiliates and goalie coaching than, and like, you know, and then hope Francois Lair can fix something. And then, yeah. you know, but, like, why aren't you going with Barofsky? Why aren't you, like, going to Barofsky and getting Barofsky's goalie coach involved? I think he probably was like, okay, I'm, I'm all right with this. I'm all ears. Who knows I, whether I, he's legitimately I mean, on it or not. But Yeah, but, I mean, like, that's the it thing. Is, it is interesting. But the, the point it, that somebody made, which I agree with, is Bobrovsky was playing in Columbus, and certainly Dale Talon didn't notice this, behind a team in Columbus that is so structured, so detail-oriented, then you come to Florida and it's just pond hockey. You well, know, yeah, that is I a mean, shock. We don't have to relitigate this and everything. But no, I know, the, I know. The, but idea, I'm just saying... the idea is if you're trying to, if you if you really want to, if you're going to, you know, run Bobrovsky a, a shit ton and play him, you know, 45 games or 40 games in, in a 56-game schedule, um in a compressed season, if you're going to, if you're, you know, relying on him to carry this team and be that important of a team. And then, then you're form in the same breath, you're forming a goalie department and you're catering it to the goalie that you, you fucking are paying to not play on the ice. Like that's uh, the that's, most, that's, that's, thing that's very ever. Panthers. Like, that oh yeah. Panthers. Oh yeah. Great. Now, now, you know, Longo get is happy who that the people he gets to talk to in his day to day activities at work are his friends and people that he, you know, likes and everything. And that's great and everything. Maybe that results in better, you know, a goalie department. But does it make the best use of Bobrovsky? We'll find out. No, I don't know. I don't know if it does. Yeah. So we'll find out. I mean, and again, you, you you're saying, well, Spencer Knight's the future. Blah blah blah. We don't. There is no proven person in this goalie excellence department that's going to be in Florida full time. Well, so I don't. Know. And that's not. Well, no, 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 no. I, I, I stand I by my original statement. Uh, <laughs> I, I used to believe that Rob Talis is anything other than the guys I used to work with who used to do goalie camps for amateurs at like the 14U level and go, come around to my, you know, tier one practices and do stuff you know, private lessons and stuff, which is more than fine. That's a lot of talent. You still have to know the game and everything, but, like, I don't think he should be involved in professional hockey. I think the guy who coached Bobrovsky in Columbus 
ended up moving to Buffalo, if I'm correct. I might have that wrong, and I apologize. Right, but I mean, like, he has people back in Russia. Like, if you're, like, why don't you, like, you can still have a lair, but why don't you just add add an extra consult of, yeah, for the next, for like the next two years while we deal with Bobrovsky, we'll have, you know, a consultant to just help us deal with Bobrovsky, and it's his trainer back in Russia. Like, why? Maybe that's happening informally. Who knows? But, like, why not – they did a whole – they spent money on basically on a PR sweep about the whole thing. Well, you why, know Calgary copied them, right? Yeah, but why, why wouldn't you include that if you're doing it behind the scenes? So they're not doing it behind the scenes is what – Who knows? Okay, so let's move on to the defense score. This is pretty straight – this yeah. is pretty straightforward, I would suggest. I mean, um, there's no way you don't give Ekblad Uyghur as a partner again, given no. how well Uyghur does, given that Uyghur is the strongest left-hand – left side defenseman uh you know contract came in cheaper than i thought it would for him to be honest uh yeah i mean it was right about where i thought it was going to be i thought he might get a little more than that but also he is a you know one of those defensemen where it's he's kind of in the slide like where it's not the stats that jump out at you it's all the little things and those little things don't get you paid (laughs) but you know i'm trying to think of a good defenseman where that that one of the carolina defensemen probably i mean to be honest, it's. I think it's a lot of people aren't aren't a hundred percent sure he can repeat it. I mean, and that's the thing is I'm not sure he can repeat that level. So you you kind of need to know what kind of defenseman he is before you really throw money at him. And I wish the problem the thing is what you're probably saying and why the comparisons seem low is everything is. Most other defensemen don't get that treatment. It's like, okay, whatever, we'll just throw the money at you. See Mike yeah. Matt and see most every defenseman, <laughs> you, you know. Chris Tanev. Yeah, right. Um, so, and, and, and It's also not like Mackenzie Wieger's skating on reputation because he's a really, you know, underrated defenseman playing for the team that no one talks about, and the most he got talked about was Leafs fans going, oh, hey, I'd like him in a trade because the analytics guy said he's, you know, made a tweet about it. You know, it's that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, and, and, I, it's different for us, but I, I agree with you that Ekblad and Uyghur is a partnership. I, I think it has to be because it then, was really good last year. And then, and, you, and then you're looking at the – then, you know, building that defensive core out, you have to look down the left side, which is the point of weakness. You brought in Nudavar, you brought in Gudis, two veteran right side D. If you're Zito, if you're Quinville, you have to then assume that they're confident in the right side and that – and, you know, they're not going to be – they're going to be, you know, building around the left side. And Yandel's one of the only defensemen they, I, they have on the roster uh, that I think you can count on to get top four minutes and get top four performance in at least one zone. And so then I think you, you slot Yandel in on the second pair left side and you, you give him new Devara, uh, and you, Yeah, and I agree with you. I agree with you. The, the idea is you bring in new Devara, Let's let's run them through camp together. See if you can get chemistry going, and seeing if you can, if you don't have to hide Yandel on the third pair, because if you do, then you're asking Strawman to recover a few years and find extra legs to play second pair minutes, or you're asking Stillman to find a few years uh, the other way in maturity and play second pair minutes. Uh, and he can might maybe do that for a few games or in periods when he's on, you know, depending on how his play and jump up and play a little more minutes in sheltered roles. 
I don't know if he's going to be able to do that in a year where every game is going to mean a little more in 56-game season, and playoffs are a pretty big goal that kind of has to happen this year. Uh, so, so, and, and would you say Strawman, and then you'd have to have some somebody play on their offside because I don't think they're like. I think which, I think Gudis is going to be your your third pair on your right offside. side. Yeah, I I kind of agree and, with you. We don't have any disagreements on that. And Stillman will check in yeah. if somebody has a bad night. Like Strawman is not unscratchable, you know. So I think that you, yeah, you bring I think in Stillman the, when you have to. The, I think the goal is going to be you know. There's going to be a lot of rust coming out of camp and everything, and Quinville's a very tenured coach. He's going to lean on Strawman out of the gate, hoping that Strawman's going to get the rust off quicker and be able to just kind of handle the panic of the beginning of the season and, and kind of get off the gate, you know, get out of the gate quicker. Uh, and then probably your, your hope is to work Stillman in more as the season goes on work Strawman kind of into a rotational role and then hope you bring it up a defenseman. Like I would probably think keepers probably the one of the, if, if you, you were know, asking me who is defenseman keeper, in the organization right now, I would agree with you that it's probably him. And, and you know, the problem is it's based off a lot of limited stuff. So he could easily, it could easily be somebody like uh prowl Gildan Ludwig. I mean, I, I think what you're going to have to do is you have those seven defensemen we just talked about probably eight keeper and then you run your merit call-ups or you know your taxi based on how they're playing right now and use it as like a carrot to get better play out of your ahl defenseman and 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 target some areas of their development like you know give gildan or ludwig a, a targets you know to and it you know with the idea of hitting these targets they'll put them in line for for a call-up yeah, uh, it's not like this. This is an unbreakable roster of defensemen. You could break into right. it if you if you play yeah. your cards right. And I think that you know this was this is an area where we had a, almost complete agreement. I agree with you. Like this is exactly how I see the defense core on opening night. Yeah. And it, also, I, I I don't think the Panthers are going to have any worry. I don't think they're going to carry eight defensemen on the NHL roster. Obviously, you have a taxi squad. But this is but this is how I see it. I, uh, too. Yeah. I mean, it, the, you have to get keeper games. The the story of keepers thing is a lot of potential but the on ice and off ice uh minutes aren't there like you know the time in the gym the time playing hockey hasn't been there due to many different reasons uh some out of his control i mean a lot out of his control so you know they gotta get if you know given his age and everything if he is the eighth defenseman in their you know, squad right now, even if he's always going to be a kind of a depth guy for them, if they want to use him, they got to get him playing a lot of hockey this year. Um, we still don't know what the AHL season's going to look like. Although yeah. it does so, help. So you they're... could, so they might carry eight. If, if the AHL, if they think that they can get keeper more minutes, um, you know, and cause you know, defense, think it, think about this way. Defensemen in practice, log a ton of minutes against top players so if keeper is in the nhl and practicing daily and the nhl you know those extra defensemen get a ton of reps and they're going against everybody on the ice so they're going to be going against barkov and duclair and tippett and huberto and those high talent forwards that are going to challenge them and stuff like that that might be better than whatever you know, 
misfit schedule the AHL, you know. Now, the one thing I will say about the AHL now that the Panthers have Charlotte is it is closer to South Florida, and I think this year it it, it actually kind of helps. Yeah. What I wonder, I wonder if in the future the Panthers do something a la what other teams have done, you know, like Arizona, you know, teams that move their AHL affiliates closer to them. Who knows what happens? Let's see how it goes with Charlotte first and foremost. It's the first time I they've had a new affiliate in a couple of years. But I wonder if down the line Bill Zito's thinking, we got to have an affiliate really close to us, or maybe the affiliate plays out of South Florida anyway. You know, I... something like that to think about in the future. I would not, because I don't think that there's a better city to be in than Charlotte for a minor league hockey team. That city I agree with you. I have a friend that lives in Charlotte, so at some point when things exploding. go to normal, I could go to the games and do my in-person scouting. <laughs> right, right, right. But also, that city's exploding for a lot of reasons. There's a lot of, you know, if you're thinking about it as, you know, where you want prospects to live and be happy and to, you know, that's going to be a young, thriving city um, with a lot of... It is better of, than Springfield, Massachusetts. Yeah, with <laughs> a lot of... than Springfield, you know, Massachusetts. And, you know, you're, you, so what are you... You're bringing... You're going to have a team, what? The minor league team in Fort Lauderdale? The minor league team in Maybe what, Orlando. Swamp? Yeah, you make it Orlando or the Swamp Rabbits or whatever. Yeah, that's great, but, you know, Charlotte offers a ton more partnership opportunities for that minor league team. So your minor league team is going to be better funded. Your, your arena is going to be better. All of that stuff plays a huge part. And the people part. who are going to be running Charlotte yeah. already know how to run Charlotte. So it's yeah. going and to it's be... Not, it's... And it's not like North Carolina doesn't have tax breaks to and tax advantages just like Florida. Uh, so, yeah. you know. It's, it's an interesting thing to game out as we go in the future. Like, what does Bill Zito think about this? Now, the forwards group for the Panthers is going to be very interesting because I think we're going to have some disagreements here because we agreed on goalies and defense. Yeah, uh, and, and, I mean, this is – I well, it's still back of the envelope. Who knows well, at this point? Well, let me preface this by saying, judging by the types of players they brought in, it was like they were building a fantasy hockey lineup. And I mean, what I mean this by is they were looking for people who played multiple positions. They wanted guys who can play both wings at least if they're a winger, if not play center and wing. And yeah, they it, like, they, this is a versatile lineup. There's a lot of it, things that they can do depending so on games and situations. Going, I don't think that there's going to be a set lineup. I think that they're going to have – a lot of different looks, a couple different schemes, so to speak. You know, or... when you're playing Detroit, you don't need the same sort of you know idea as when you're playing Tampa, and that's going to be interesting because you're going to also you want to have different looks because you're playing a team eight times. They're going to figure out how to stop you, particularly when you're a Panthers team that has yeah. one trick, you know, or at least last year they had one trick. In the normal NHL season, you're playing so many different teams. If things happen very quickly and, you know, there isn't a lot of time to game plan. But since you're basically playing in a self-contained mini league, everybody's going to have tape on you and they're going to know your tricks. They're going to know you inside and out. You need to have, you know, a second trick developed. So when the Panthers play the Lightning the first time, they might look very different to when they play them the fifth time. And I think that's a, it's a good thing to have in a short season where you're going to need that versatile. You're going to need new ideas. You're going to need to find a way to get little advantages here and there. And I think if there's any coach in the league that could do that, it's Joel Quenville. I mean, he's the guy who put Mark Pesek as a forward, and it somehow worked some of the time. 
Yeah, so I think that, you know, their game plan is they're going to have a lot of moving parts and they're going to, you know, piece them together as they see fit as the season moves forward. Um, I would, I don't, the the biggest, there's a lot of questions. I mean, the, the two questions are who's going to be the 2C and do they start the season with Barkov and Huberto together or do they break them up to help them kind of, figure out where everybody should go. So you're um, saying to start them not together because you want to balance the lineup, you want to get everybody well, kind of gelled? Yeah, I mean, if you're, well, if I'm being honest, the my my personal inclination of breaking them up, if I were to do it, and I, I don't really have a strong preference of keeping them together or not, I would think, you know, the preference would be two, so you have a fast start on offense off, you know, the beginning of the season. Somebody has chemistry, at least, automatically. Um, but, you know, I'm thinking about you're going into the season with a 2C who's most likely under the league average second-line center, putting a guy like Huberto who does a lot of work on the boards and in the defensive zone and is a very much a vocal leader who doesn't mind telling people what to do is good to have that take a lot of weight off that second line center whether it's Wenberg whether it's Verhage whether it's uh you know Hinesh- yeah. like who who knows Vetrano even like who knows what they're gonna how that's if gonna I had to out. guess I mean I, I, I guess it's gonna be Wenberg because yes correct um, that's why I think it's gonna be I mean yeah and, and then so you know the first line I would have Huberto Barkov and then I would throw Tippett because um I'm I'm thinking I really want to shore up my second line and Hornquist's veteran presence on the right and Hornquist is really good on the right side tip it's a right winger too so you know don't you know Huberto and Barkov don't need Hornquist outside of the power play so give them them Tippett and those guys are passers Tippett's not a passer so there's you know if there's moments of, oh, God, I wish they'd shoot, at least there's going to be somebody on that line that's going to shoot way more than Dadnoff shot, and maybe that'll offset some of that mm-hmm. um, stuff. Uh, so then you got Hornquist on the second line with Wenberg, uh, and then I'm throwing Anthony Duclair there because, uh, you know, Wenberg's a passer, Duclair's a scorer, Hornquist is a guy that's going to tie everything together. It's kind of the traditional line setup. Um, you know, Duclair, you know, does enough of everything else to, you know, have that. Even if you don't think that line's got a lot of creativity, Duclair has that ability to kind of do things himself. You know what I mean? Yeah. He has that, he, he has that ability to drive the play, even if he, you know, even if Wenberg's a more of a, a facilitator and is more of a quiet facilitator, Duclair can be that player that, you know, does a lot of the loud things, you know what I mean? Yeah. He so has Duclair's the speed. The push, yeah, pushing the pace, scoring off the rush, you know, kind of doing end-to-end rushes and stuff like that. Wenberg's going to be more of the creative uh, in-zone, uh, you know, finding a seam playmaker type guy. Uh, and then, you know, balancing that out with Hornquist who, uh, you know... He's going to do the dirty things. He's going to stand in front of the net. He's going to, you know... It, it is the kind of the way you balance everything together on one line. You have the, you know, you have the guy who can be individually creative. You have the facilitator, and you have the guy who's going to do all the little dirty things. You know, Hornquist is a kind yeah. of forward that the Panthers really haven't had in a the, while. The question is um, whether Wenberg, uh, I, Duclair will cover enough ground. It's whether he can do it efficiently. 
Uh, and and the the second question is, would will, will Wenberg be able to cover enough ground? Because Hornquist is still very limited mo mobility right yeah, now. Yeah, the defensive aspects um, of that so, line are not great. It's one of those things like you wish that yeah, was your third line. It's, it's really coming back in that coming back in the transition. Can Wenberg and Duclair do enough coming back in transition? Because Hornquist most of the time will be going to the bench. Yeah. Or be, or be hanging out. Your third line, if this was your third line, you played in offensive zone situations, you got him against another team's third pairing, you know, something like that. Yeah, I mean, I could see, I could see, a, you know, there's a lot of, you know, we're going down to now, we'll go to the third line, and I could see any of these third line guys be switched up and swapped for somebody on the second line, uh, mm -hmm. for sure. I have Dennis Danko uh, on that left hand side but i think you could play either wing um i have sorella in the middle but i could easily see it for Hagee. but i think that dennis aiko sorella for Hagee, um i i think you you got a lot of meat and potatoes in them they do a, those players do a lot of things to move the puck in the right direction and i think they'll move they'll play really well together and i don't think their positions are really going to matter i think they'll do a lot of you know, changing lanes and and uh, moving about five in the picture type hockey, and that's a that's a line I'd put together because that's a line I want to see. That's fun. Uh, I think they could do a lot of good. You puck. got me intrigued. You got me intrigued with that because I still think probably to start the season for Hagee's a center, but again, with him and players like that, it might not matter. Um, yeah, and, and Sorella might be fine. Is definitely fine on the wing too. I think he possibly has that higher ceiling as a center like he could maybe pop and and go, fill that 2c role if, if wenberg doesn't really start off the mm -hmm. season well because i think Here, he i want to ask about i want to talk about denisenko for a little bit because one of my keys to this season is somebody who the panthers you know who you don't think is going to step up has to step up and, and level up so to speak you know barkoff and you were going to do that you probably know duclair is going to do that which player is going to be the one that levels up alongside them? I think if you're asking me, I think Denisenko has a really good potential to do that. And by the end of the season, don't you hope he's worked his way into playing top six, maybe top line minutes? Uh, I mean, honestly, my pick is Sorella for that. I mean, obviously he has to get signed for that to happen. Uh, hashtag Sorella signing. Sorella watch. Yeah. Whatever you want to call it. Um, I'm waiting for that to happen, but I, it will. I think I think Denisenko definitely is the obvious candidate for that. Um, I think I think Tippett is is kind of ex almost taken for granted that it's expected of him. Um, I, I think it would have happened a little earlier for him if he was given the opportunity. Uh, and you know, I'm not Tippett's biggest fan either, uh, but I was I feel pretty comfortable starting the season with him on the first line and. Uh, you know, I, I think he might be able to. I think he hits 20 goals this year, um, and, and is able to, you know, kind of rise his stock and get back onto that tier and of you know those top six, you know, four draft picks that Ford mm -hmm. has had in the first round. Denisenko is an interesting player because there's a lot of it. Like we we kind of don't know quite what we're gonna get from him. But yeah. I think that there is a lot of like he spent all of this off season in South Florida, so you know the Panthers have big plans for him. It's a matter of where he slots in. I I think that 
like what, what what is the like what is the ceiling what is like for me the hope the ceiling is he's a guy who works his way into calder conversation you know like he might not win it but you want him working his way to a point where people have to talk about him you know like in that vicinity you know he might not be he's not going to be lafreniere he might not even he's not probably going to be Kirill kaprizov but if he works his way into that discussion because he just has worked his way into earning those minutes, right? And you have the potential to play with players who could get him, you know, a lot of those opportunities is when you play with Barkov and Uberdo, you're probably going to score if he gets to that point, right? Like that, that, that's kind of like if, if the Panthers actualize to being better than we think, one of the reasons why that happens is Denisenko is better than we think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. Um, my my development ideas with Denisenko are a little different. Um, I I think that this year I don't know if he's going to be in the Calder conversation. I think it's more about getting him to the point of being able to effectively drive a line throughout a game at both ends of the rink at the NHL level this year. Uh, and getting him working towards that. Uh, I, I think they're still at the, they're, since, they're, you know, Denisenko, for all intents and purposes, to me, is the forward crop of the prospect pool um, right now. And well, if he. Un- until March, perhaps. Well, <laughs> yeah, yes. But, I mean, I don't consider. Lindell a prospect. I mean, the to me, he'd be in the NHL right now, the 2C set, if there wasn't the legal contractual issues that they can't the get around. pandemic. Well, I mean, the pandemic's really, yeah, not, well, even with the, the pandemic, he'd still be 2C on January 13th if there wasn't a contractual issue, and he'd be a legit NHLer, like, on night one. Um, but we'll get to the World but, Juniors in a second, yeah. um, and also about. Lindell but I, I just think I just think to. that Denisenko, uh, it's more about long-term goals with him still. So when you're talking about Calder or like who's the guy going to take the next step and really push, 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 or somebody that's really going to um, jump off the page, I'm thinking about Tippett. I'm thinking about guys who really are at the cusp of taking the next level. I hope it, I hope Denisenko does it this year. But I'm more focused on uh, hitting that long-term goal of being that Huberto-type winger. Uh, and, we, and we think like he can be a Dadanoff type eventually. Like when they drafted him, we're like, I think it's, know. I think he's beyond that. I think, I think, I think if he ended up to Dadanoff, it would be um, kind of maybe a step under what his expectations were and should be. Um, I think he should be hitting 80 to 90 points in a season at, in his prime. Um, and I don't think Dadanov is a... I also should mention that when they posted, the Panthers posted a picture of him with uh, Sergei Bobrovsky after he got a, a U.S. driver's license, he's also a lot better looking than I expected. And most <laughs> Russians look like crap. So, you know, I had expectations for Gregory Day and Iseko too, which is if you play with Alex Wenberg, you'll get all the gays in South Florida to watch. Congratulations, you have just hit your Wilton Manors demographic. Yeah, I mean, maybe that joke was too in, but I don't care. You can, you can definitely, you can definitely put some billboards on the South Beach. Oh Jesus Christ! Please yeah. God, do that. Uh, and the fourth line, I think, uh, Achari probably starts at center. What Hinnestroza is the, is the fourth line guy. 
and I'm putting Vitrano. I, I oh yeah, to I, me, I forget about him. To me, Connolly's the platoon guy, um, and then obviously Lomberg's the guy that I have I have to pencil in into the thing. To me, Lomberg wouldn't be there, and a guy like Lostrainen or Miko are there. Or you hold Miko is back. Yep, thank thankfully. Uh, I mean, it's good because they needed that type of center depth. I mean, they needed – Lamico is a guy who can be in Achari, and, and I think that's okay. So, um, you I'm know. actually looking – thinking about your forward lineup, I don't think it starts like that, but it, there are very many – there not. are a lot of ways that you can put that in, and I think your ideas are, are intriguing. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think that they're going to be signing Borgstrom this year as well. I think that's something that they deal with after the year yeah it's probably one of those things you wait on it's kind of like Lindell it's just like you, you wait on it and then also like because I don't know what happened the Finnish league had to pause eventually because of because of COVID but like I don't know what that means for when that league ends but I I think as soon as that league ends they're bringing Lindell over I think right yeah I mean they're definitely yeah I, I think he has because to. like I mean, I don't know if you if you saw the highlights because people posted them on Twitter. I mean, holy crap! <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's one of those things where you're you're like, okay, we knew he was good, and then you watch him, and people were like, well, he might not have the offensive game, and then he does all these ridiculous things on offense. You're going, oh, well, okay then. I'm... Is that the if he if he becomes anywhere near like what like he is showing when he play was was playing. And, of course, he's going to be the captain of the Finnish team at the World Juniors, which means every Finland game is now a must-watch if you're a Panthers fan. Like, like, does this have the – like, what are we talking about? And, like, in, I know we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but, like, the, the potential is just – it's salivating. Just thinking about a player. It, when's the last time the Panthers had a prospect that made you think, like, wow? The, it, was it Borgstrom before we knew that, you know, his career kind of got yo-yoed? No, 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 no. Borgstrom had, like – Borgstrom had, like, typical late first round, like, cool second round. Like, the Jonathan, you know, Jonathan Dahlien. Remember him? Yes, yes. You know, like, you know, like, he had those type of flash in the pan type of things. But, I mean, it's got to be Bar. I mean, Lundell's the best prospect since Barkov, Schuberto, Ekblad. I mean, it's very clear. I mean, I, I had Lundell ranked, and I was saying before that – there really wasn't a reason for Florida to take a pick. If Florida couldn't get Lundell, they might as well just trade back and, and just do something else. And it would be much better worth trading up to get Lundell or whatever. Lundell was the guy for them. I know a lot of people were hyping up Rossi, but as much as people were, and, and well-deserved, I really like Marco Rossi as well. But if I put Lundell in that same breath and gave Lundell the, the edge uh, to Rossi, um, I I was I thought that highly of him, you know, before the draft. In the same way, and I thought that highly other of people Barkov are starting to think the same the way. Yeah, it's it's the attention to detail, it's the ability to play beyond his flaws, find ways to, uh, you know. People say, oh, he doesn't have the right stride and everything, but he still, if you time him blue line to blue line, he puts up faster numbers than a lot of people that get that have great strides and are considered very fast. Um, you know, he he finds a way to get it done, whether it looks pretty, whether it's considered to be the right way of doing it or not. Um, you know, 
He has he's not creative offensively, but you see highlights and he's creatively making decisions on the ice and finding ways to beat defenders and goalies, finding ways to make something out of nothing, finding ways uh, you know, to make an impact on the game when it's needed. Uh, and those are things that great players do. Uh, and whether you know you think he pops as well as somebody in the USHL who put up a ridiculous point per game total and can do a lot of you know crazy things, or you see this year uh, Kent Johnson at Michigan, that is a, a center um, who's probably going to be fourth, fifth, uh, maybe you know maybe third ranked in, in this draft or something, you know depending on how there's so many defensemen at the top how that shakes out, but he has an unreal skill set. But he's played BCHL and now NCAA and at a completely low level. Uh, and a lot of people would say that his offensive tools are higher than a guy like Lindell. But I would not because Lindell has proven at a professional level he's been able to find ways to score consistently under pressure, you know, ahead of his age group, um, you know, while playing elite defense. And nobody argues with that that, that part of the statement, no. uh, and I mean, and that's it, incredible. It is, it is it is one of those things where you like again the Panthers have not really had these prospects, and it's not often you get one of them at twelve, I guess right. in the draft. But it, it's no. one of those things. It's one of those things where you're starting to go okay. And when you do, they're European usually. Ah, uh, it, it's, it's just. It, it's fascinating that this is where, like, this is the kind, and as I said, like, it makes every Finland game at the World Juniors a complete must-watch now. You you have to watch these games because he's the captain of that team. I don't, the World Juniors are weird because of the bubble and how many people have tested positive for COVID. I mean, who knows? But, Speaking of which, Emil Heinemann uh, had, at some point this he season. He at some point had COVID, yeah, but he is also on this team, which, Again, when's the last time the Panthers had a, a world junior player from Sweden? Like, almost never. So, yeah, that's amusing. Casper nice. um, Pudio is also on that. I don't know whether that's I, because the players tested positive, but he's on that team. So Finland made a lot of uh, weird decisions. Uh, I think they, they went with a lot of fit and with a lot of role and with guys that they knew they could count on versus uh, some guys who maybe have more talent but were having – you know, now, by the way, I have to mention if you don't season. know if you don't know about this because I've looked up the roster. There is a I think we joked that there was a player maybe when we had scouting on named Brad Lambert. It's the very not Finnish name, but I mean, like I, I know. Brad but Lambert also Finland's is, got guys who are going to be at the top Lambert end of draft is, next year, or so too. So it's going to be an interesting team to watch, regardless. But I mean, Lindell being the captain means that he is like it is must watch television. We have to say like it'll be the first time I've seen Lindell play you know, other than highlight packs on Twitter. So I'm really intrigued by that. And, of course, there's also Spencer Knight, who's going to be the starting goalie for the U.S. for the second straight tournament. What what does that look like? I don't even know how much BC's played this year. I have not paid much attention to college hockey, and I I'm, I should look it up. But, again, college where is he in his development? Is, is, is a, I know. I don't, I don't want to say a joke, but uh, well, definitely football not. football has been a joke, so I'm assuming college hockey has also been it's, a joke. It's, let, let me – yeah, you know. it's, but I mean, he's doing well. We'll, we'll see. Um, uh, also, know, I, question... I do want to shout. We, we do want to shout out one other player. It's the only other Panther that made it is Devin Levi. I mean, he's the third goalie, probably. But I mean, to see a seventh round pick who was a complete flyer, you're taking a, you're you're just doing a thing based on a tip you got to be on the World Junior roster in this situation. 
I mean, again, I would want to have those players in my prospect pool as opposed to not having them. So Yeah, I, I would caution some, um, just to get back on uh, Lundell, and I almost called him Barkov. Uh, Lundell. Well, I hope so. Um, Knight. I wouldn't look, you know, Lundell's done a lot at the men, you know, at professional level against men. Uh, and take, you know, this is going to be a lot of steps down. And a lot of people think, okay, well, he's had a couple four point or four goal games as a pro in Finland. He's got to have at least one or two of those, you know, in, in the world junior. Uh, but that might not always be the case. Uh, and, you know, sometimes you're used to players doing things uh, and having sort of, you know, the right sort of habits that professionals do. I mean, when you're forechecking stuff, you're anticipating play, uh, especially someone like Lindell. And guys at the junior level are not making the same decisions and taking the same paths and, do, you know, it's going to be an adjustment down for him. And it could be frustrating. It could be, you know, it could look like Bambi on ice trying to figure it out for a little bit, and it might not be as dominating. Um, and you, you, we've seen that before with other players. Uh, I can't think of one off the top of my head, of course, right now to uh, help bolster well, my so point. So this World Juniors is going to be super friggin' weird compared to all yeah. the others for obvious reasons. So I'm not I, judging I, I, I it do based expect on this. Him to do, uh, do well, but he might not like put up ridiculous numbers or he might not, you know, he be, might be... not be what you, th he may not be what a Twitter highlights pack says or a YouTube highlight video, but that's fine. You, yeah. This let, he's going to be good. I don't think we're worried about that. It's a matter of how he performs uh, in this tournament and how he adapts to a different situation. We'll find out. I have no idea what any yeah, of the things Yeah, I, I just don't want him to get hurt or get COVID, basically. Nope, That's nope. Fair. Do not get hurt or get COVID, and I hope that uh, he does not get either of those things. And when he comes over in April, and since the season is going to mid-May, I think, when the regular season ends, hello. I mean, that. Yeah. now, if you want to go to the Panthers games in April to watch that, I don't blame you. Because that will be fun. Now, I, I think that's pretty much everything Panthers-related uh, that we can get to. We don't know the schedule yet. We'll find out uh, shortly. For, re for, for reference, uh, Borgstrom has three points in six games in Finland on, the, on Lindell's team, of course. And uh, from at least some of the lineup cards I've seen, at least three of the six games were on Lindell's line, partially. Well, that's, again, no better way to get Borgstrom ingratiated than to play him with Anton Lindell. So that's, that's, that's quite positive. So, so maybe that's something that we see. Also, apparently his new nickname is Nicky because his Elite Prospects page, it's been updated under him, a.k.a. Nicky Borgstrom. I'd love to hear the story behind that. Going, uh, I mean, there's definitely going to be a going back to Finland re renaissance rebirth type uh, piece done when, if they ever, if they eventually sign him and bring him back or if he gets signed by another team and uh, it, 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 Florida will sign him. I just think it's one of those things where Bill Zito probably said, listen, we'll keep you in Finland for now. Let's relax and we'll get you rehabilitated. It's a new regime, you know, and we'll well, play you with our top prospect. You know, well, he's represented by acne. Uh, ah. Yes. Favorite supermarket in Philadelphia. No, I'm kidding. Um, or the people who blew up Wiley Coyote. I'm kidding. 
Uh, anyway, so I think that's basically it for the Panthers. I want to do a couple quick things around the league just before we get to uh, talk about everything else. Uh, I want to get to these other divisions quickly. Um, the, the Patrick division, the Northeast division, whatever the hell we're calling it, I'm not going to refer to by its original name. Uh, wow. I'm sorry to Taylor Hall. <laughs> you come to Buffalo to get yours, and now you're going to not be anywhere near the playoffs because that division is brutal. Yeah, I mean, well, he wasn't going to be anywhere near well, the playoffs. Well, I know. Even, going in, to even Buffalo. in the Atlantic, he still wouldn't have made it. But, I mean, it would have. I could have maybe seen an argument. But, I mean, this division is just He's playing insane. for the trade deadline. Insanity, this division, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's – it's the, the problem – this realignment is like you got on the one coast, you got the best division. On the other coast, you literally have borderline AHL uh, <laughs> division. And then you have two divisions of kind of mishmash. Mishmash with one being a little tougher mishmash than the other. Mm-hmm. And, Out of necessity. Uh, and, I mean, it made that division brutal. But, I mean, just from a perspective of watching the games, they're going to be, in, like, intense fun. Like, you're going to see great games every night because the teams already don't like each other and are really going to not like each other by the end of it. But, I mean, let's, let's talk about it just briefly from a, from a Flyers perspective. Like, if you're somebody really good's missing the playoffs in that division, and that's just the way it's going to be, and it sucks. You know? Yeah, we're, we're, it might be the Flyers. It could be the – well, you could make an argument that any one of these teams could miss the playoffs. Like – First of all, it's a shame that Henrik Lundqvist isn't going to play for the Capitals because, I mean, obviously it would have been cool to see him play the Rangers and play the Rangers eight times or six times. And it's a su- yeah, and it I, sucks that he can't play. I'm, I'm sure he's going to honor that contract next season, though. Yeah, I don't think this is the end for Lundqvist. It just sucks the way that this is happening. This season yeah. would have been the most fun to watch him play in that but it's also it's also the season that is the best to skip if you think about it yeah if you have to opt if this is a season he's basically opting out you know in a way like it's one of those seasons like if you miss this season oh well come back you'll be refreshed and yeah i mean i'm sure he he means washington now has a goaltending issue like how good is sam sonoff you know is he the dude yeah because if he's not the dude then they're screwed he is he's fine okay in terms of like like Pittsburgh, um, Pittsburgh's going to be fun to watch. I mean, it, how how about Mike Matheson going up against that division every night? Uh, Just it, now we can watch the Schadenfreude from a safe distance. Yeah, yeah, that'll be fun to watch. But I think um, I think they'll be the Washington will be fine because they've had a goalie department of excellence in Hershey for quite a while now. And uh, if you think about all the goaltenders that they've seamlessly transitions to and, and been able that to divisions just, got interesting uh, goal te- like that division's got some really fun goaltending in it obviously you have carter hart who is gonna i mean probably like your early favorite for the vesna i would think like he is mm-hmm. for me you've got to figure out his away game that was i mean like his splits are really weird uh like overall <laughs> it looks really great because he's really elite at at home but his oh yeah splits were well, also, it's got the division with Shesterkin for the Rangers. Like, what does that look like? Sorokin's going to play some for the Islanders. What does that look like? It looks like you should speak Russian. Ah. Well, I just, I just have to say that I can... off and Sor- you well, know, but... Well, you have to understand. I, when you work in broadcasting, you have to get names right. It's very important because you're not taken seriously if you don't get names right. So pronouncing them, and also, of course, if you know me, you know my last name. So, you, you know, I've gone through that. But like, but just just from that perspective, like, there's going to be interesting goaltending. Like, what do the Rangers look like? They have no defense core to speak of. 
a complete train wreck in that. But, like, but can you play like seven, five games every night in that division? It'll be because like that's the only way they're gonna win. I mean, I don't, I don't think the Rangers are gonna have a great year. Uh, well, you know, well, I don't do think. I, I just, I can't. But I, I don't think the goal. I think they'll have fine enough goaltending. Yeah, obviously the D is going to be an issue with a couple well, of traffic cones. Is there. that the worst defense core in the league? It, it is up there as one of the worst defense cores in the league. It's the one I root against the most. Well, I think. Well, it's got one of the most unlikable <laughs> players in the league on it. But beyond on, that, on the one of the on like the most unlikable teams, yeah. I mean, it, it, is a, it is an amusing – it's going to be amusing to watch that team get piloned every night. But, I mean, like, in terms of that, but, like, we'll, also, we'll like, there's no night out. off because, like, New Jersey's not going to be incompetent this year. I, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that those teams the, – the thing is those teams just – it's kind of like rock, paper, scissors. Like, the Islanders really – you know, like, they all know how to play, each, like, some of each other's and they kind of all balance each other out. Uh, and Who's the best team in that division, do you think? Uh, I mean, honestly, it's, it's really hard to make a make a call there. Because in the other three, you know who the answer is. Like yeah. you don't have to think about it. But in this division, you, you got to think about it. And that's why it's the toughest division. Oh, it's by far the toughest division of the four. It's not uh, even close. Because they're all just basically like. I, I think the they're best, all like two three seeds in other yeah divisions. if I if you know I think the best overall team might actually be the Flyers personally because think, like I, their I was, weaknesses are not as not big as other Obviously, teams' weaknesses. Yeah, if I if I would, that would be the only team I would be willing to say, but like I didn't want to say because I'd be sound biased, you know. Well, like, it's oh, not yeah, sound, I said it. I said it for. How about I yeah. said it for you? Yeah, I, I like that. Um, but yeah, I mean they have the forward depth. Uh, I mean there is Boston, but the problem with Boston is they, their defense core isn't what it was, and that was a huge reason why they were good. You know, like, like, and that's why I'm saying the Flyers, like, because their weaknesses are less bad than other weaknesses. And if I look at Boston, I'm like, okay, but now you don't have Tory Krug, and okay, Zdeno Chara is still going to play, but they're also not going to have Pasternak and Marchand to start the season. Yeah, that, that's why. Yeah, and that's why I'm not saying them. I mean, they're probably going to miss one fifth of the year. Yeah, and I, I don't think that means they're going to miss the playoffs. The but like, I'm if I'm looking at Philly, I just think they have more balance. Yeah, I, I mean, we're talking about who's going to be the best team in that division in the regular season. I don't think it is going to be Boston either. Yeah, I just think that. I mean, it could be they have, but I would say that they're probably going to fall into a. A, th- a three spot. Like Washington, like it, it, goaltending is an issue, but also I, I worry a little about that defense core. I think one of them, I think it's a Kempney's missing most, of, if not all the year. So, like, that's. I, a- I'm not really worried about that on the back end. I still think that they overall improved. And uh, I I like some of their. Um, I'm trying to think of the, the Swiss defenseman's name. Siegenthaler? Yeah. I, re- I, you know, I like some of their young defensive prospects that are ready to take the next step out of Hershey. I mean, I really like what they do in, do in Hershey and, and have mm. been able to repeat and stuff. I'm interested, like they, stuff. I, but which, if you're going to have to pick which one misses it, I think most people are going to probably say it's Pittsburgh. Like, if you're going to have to go through, like, which one of those teams in that division misses, you, I think most people would say the Penguins. Yeah, I mean, I can't. 
I I think that this is this could this could be the year that they finally have the excuse to to do some change. I, I think but this could. You know what? It, it's very know, hard to do changes when you have Sidney Crosby still. You ready know what's interesting? I think or if, what's the Ernest Hemingway quote? People go bankrupt gradually, then suddenly. I think that I use that quote really, really, you know, because it's like how teams in in sports right. that were really good for a while go bad gradually, and then they fall off a cliff, like the Sharks and the and you know, and like the Blackhawks did. Like, would you be surprised if this was the year that the Penguins fell off a cliff? No, no, I wouldn't. I mean, there's a lot of factors. So, I mean, like with the pandemic and everything with, you know, uh, how thin they are, one injury or one positive test or something like that could really just spike their whole season. Mm, uh, yeah. and I mean, and they, I mean, all it takes is for Crosby to look human or not to be able to make up for everybody's weight. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think uh, they did get some better wingers and stuff, I, I, I recall, but I mean, they have some... It'll be the it'll be the division you want to watch. Like if there's a game on, you're gonna to want to watch it because it'll be fun. But yeah. I mean, it's, it's I, gonna I, be brutal. At a certain point, they should think about rebuilding and just playing Crosby as a defenseman, and yeah. that goes. Uh, let's go uh, for the Canadian division, or as somebody said, uh, oh, who was the man that tweeted? I have to go find that tweet because um, somebody made a funny tweet, and then I had a comment to it. So give me one second to find it. But this division in the in the North is very interesting. Ah. Uh, so they didn't name oh, – oh, it was David Alter, who once covered the Leafs, didn't name the Central Division, the South Central Division, and as I joke, it would be too black for the NHL. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, anyway, the Canadian Division. The Leafs are the best team in that division. I, I, I don't – like, they don't have as much depth as they once did, but that's the best team in that division. Who's second best? That's, that's an interesting question. Who's second best? Um, that is a good question. I would I say would... the Flames. Personally, I would I would say Flames because I I believe in like Shillington and Anderson and and their, those defensemen and, and Jacob that, Markstrom. Yeah, to to pick up the slack from you know Brody and Giordano who who you may start to see some more losses of you know performance from their end. By the way, I, in Edmonton, it's officially confirmed that Oscar Kleffbaum is missing this season. Again. So I mean, good lord, that good well, lord, I their defense court. Well, at this point, his career is just hampered. Oof. I mean, they, they say he'll be back next year, but woof. Yikes. Uh, and their goaltending still stinks. So that's a huge problem. Like, they added some interesting plate, some pieces. You know, they, yeah. they added Tyson I mean, Barry, but... Ugh. It'll be it'll be fun to hear about how great McDavid is and him playing... Oh, yeah, yeah Connor McDavid, again, one of the things about the hockey that's the best is you could have the best player on planet Earth, as Connor McDavid is, and it don't mean shit because the rest of your team... Arguably best plant player on planet Earth. Datsuk's still playing hockey. Ah, uh, well, or, or Nathan McKinnon. Or Nathan uh, McKinnon. Yeah, uh, it, it's uh, really Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, yeah. Right now it might be. Uh, other teams in that division, um, as I said, I think the Canucks are interesting. They just lost a lot of dudes, though. You know? Yeah, like, yeah. But, I, I mean, I think the Canucks and, you know, they... They benefit from this Canadian division more. Yeah, they benefit from being in a, in a division them that isn't quite yeah, good. Yeah, like, you know, the Flames, them and the Flames benefit the most because they become big fish now, in or, at least med- or at least medium-sized fish, you know, where... In a normal year, you'd have to, like, in a normal year, Vegas, you, you weren't catching Vegas. Like, they weren't going to be caught. And, you know, the 
maybe not as much because this because the North, the Pacific Division this year would have had the three California teams who aren't good. I mean, San Jose's fine. Arizona, who's fallen off a cliff, and the NEM. So they still would have been big-ish fish, but it's not it's not changed too much. Uh, but I, I I think those teams. Yeah. Everybody loves what Montreal has done. Um, like something tells me that wasn't sustainable because like they got superhuman performances out of Carey Price and Shea Weber in the bubble. Like, is that something that? continues i I think it's possible i'm not i think they can make it but i don't think they're good i mean i think it's i think you got you got the leafs and bubble teams is is is, yeah yeah i i if i had to predict it i would think the oilers maybe oilers missing it again would be funny and then you have um ottawa ottawa will be at least you know competent but they won't be good um and and oh yeah the jets i keep forgetting about the jets you know Connor Hellebuck was superhuman last year, and it almost didn't matter. They'll so, probably make playoffs. If you're asking me right now, I would have it being Toronto, Calgary, Vancouver, and Montreal. Uh, I would Edmonton missing it. I would switch Montreal and Winnipeg. I, w- I could see I could see that, but it, it, it it's a debate. And then in the West Division, um, can we skip to the Vegas Colorado series, please? Just skip to that. I, I I think the abs might match their point total from last year this year. By the way, you know we didn't get Vegas, Colorado in the playoffs, though we wanted to. We get that eight times this year. Eight Vegas, Colorado that's, games. That's literally, uh, I mean, that's the only games worth watching in that whole division all season. That's, that's Well, I uh, think when they play the Blues, it'll be somewhat fun. Nah, but, nah, oh, my like, God. Oh, man. Can NBC show all eight Colorado Vegas games, please? Just, just do that. They need to. They need to do something quick and make some of those California teams good again. Because uh, I actually, I you know what? Here's one of the things. Now I don't know where San Jose is going to play, but here's one thing I will say about the Sharks. I actually like the team who makes the fourth spot in this division because the top three are the top three, and you can't dispute that. I actually think San Jose's got a chance of making the playoffs this year. I don't – Anaheim's bad. They're not going to be good. The Kings are too young. The Coyotes are a disaster. I actually I, – I think San Jose – last year we forget how injured they were. Now that they haven't played in, uh, like, eight months, if they're healthy, they, they may have, have the one goalies. more ride in them. They still have the goalies. I, I would say well, that it's, I mean, they it's Anaheim. For Devin. Okay, fine. I would say it's Anaheim, but – yeah. I don't think I, – I, I think I think San Jose – what about the, the Wild? I think that's the other team that you have to think about in that. I, well, I have I, – I don't have St. Louis making the playoffs. but You don't? No. I think, they, I think they're going to make it. I don't think how – I think they're a team that goes out in the first round, but I, I think they'll make it. I'm, I'm just a St. Louis Blues hater. That's just a big okay. I mean, like, I think I think the Sharks can make it. I mean, to, to me, if you were going to ask me who's going to win the Calder, I would say Kaprizov's winning the Calder this year, probably. Like, he'd be my pick. Because the problem with the Rangers is you've got two guys who are going to compete with each other for the Calder and, and you know, in Lafreniere and Shesterkin, and they're both going to get votes, unless they're both terrible. And I, I No, just, like, I, think, I think they just would give them all. I think all the fans would. New York Rangers fan base is definitely the fan base that would coordinate their. Oh, so they'll, they'll rig the twi- they'll rig the Twitter polls and they'll rig the Reddit things is basically what you're telling me. 
No, that they're just going to apply pressure for the PWHA and for people to vote for, for Calder. I, I, just think Capri, I think Kaprizov's going to win it. If you're asking me, that's who I think wins it. Because if Minnesota makes the playoffs, Kaprizov has to be good. Like, really good. I, I don't... Uh, I mean... Because what? Because like, if you're looking at that team, all, who's all center? new tricks. Are the center's good. I mean, not. I just, I just don't know. I don't. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I don't know who's gonna win the Calder this year. I don't. I hate the Calder. I think it's one of the stupidest trophies. I think most of the stu- trophies are stupid, except the Stanley Cup. But. Ah. And I'm not. And it's not just because. Trophy. And it's not just because it's like uh, individual awards, blah blah blah. It's just like I think that. Given the history of how they've been awarded, and ah, they've so been you awarded don't like, well, you don't like the Vesna because it's given out by the GMs, which is dumb. And I don't the, like, I don't like that there's not a set criteria for what the award means, and it's not stuck to. You know what I mean? Uh, like, I think that there should be like, okay, Selkie should be for this is what a Selkie for this is what a Selkie award winner should be. Here's the profile. You know, these are the values. That the Datsuk? Right, yeah. But, like, I mean, like, the, you always have these, like, Norris means that it's, like, defensive. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Or, like, the, or, you know, like, it, it, I just would rather it be more scientific. But if you're, if you're taking, well, if you're going to say just flat out who's the best rookie in the league this year, would you say Kaprizov? Uh, because that's what I would, I would, that's who I would say, perhaps. I mean, he should be based on the fact that he's been playing pro hockey for half a decade. I mean, yeah, it's 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 it, here's right a joke. If you're a college basketball fan, it's the Perry Ellis effect. Like, oh, he's still playing there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, well, that's that that should be fun. Um, as I said, I think we've covered just about everything. I don't think there's much else. The playoff format, as you know, it's in division, and then the top four team, then the teams that advance are seated based on regular season point totals. So, I mean, we're going to have a really weird Stanley Cup final this year, possibly, that isn't East-West, which means, I mean, we could have Lightning Leafs in the Stanley Cup final, which would be killer, or, you know, something like that, or Bruins Lightning, or something like that. Like, we'll have a fun Stanley Cup final this year. I just, it, it, something tells me we're going to have a fun one. But, I mean, other than that, I mean, like, there's, there's I, the taxi. I would love, love, like, a Penguins um, like Pen- Leafs. Penguins Leafs final, just like oh, yeah. the Canadian audience would love it. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, it would be it would be fun. Um, the draft is in July when the season ends. Um, so Flyers Leafs would be good too, but I just mm-hmm. don't Flyers success now. So, so the, the the draft will be in July. Free agent frenzies like when the Olympics starts. Lord willing, we get the season off the way that it should go. I don't think there's anything else other than, you know. No, that, that's it. I think I think we've covered it. That's a pretty good podcast for not having done it for two months. No rust. The, the uh, solid defenseman of podcasts, I guess. We're a podcast department of excellence. So, Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Enjoy the Kung Pao Chicken, as you all do. Happy Hanukkah. I know you do. Yes. Well, no. For me... Christmas is a friend of mine uh, wrote an article about how great it is to be a Jew on, on Christmas Day, and, and it is one of my favorite articles I've ever read because it describes so accurately what it's like to be a Jew on Christmas Day. It's the best thing ever. Made me laugh. Um, and again, Kung Pao Chicken, great. Although I have to watch Maryland basketball this year on Christmas Day, which is not so great. Uh, we will have a show 
uh, after the new year, a more formal season preview once we have a better idea of what things look like. And I'm assuming some moves are going to be made around the league because they're going to have to be. Yeah, this uh, is really just to let you guys know we, we didn't die. We're alive. And, of course, we also want to mention that there and, are a couple of other things that we should mention, and we're saving it to the end, the surprise. Let's mention this no, briefly let's, let's before just, we go. Well, I would, I would, at this point, because it's a really long podcast, I would say it's better to not dump it at the end and just save it for the beginning of the new year. Okay, all right, all right. So in but, the new I mean, year, we I, promise I appreciate some, it, but yeah. We have some surprises for you, perhaps, yeah. that are coming in the future that you're going to really like. Uh, and we will talk about those when we come back after the new year. All the year. people who listened all the way to the end of the podcast can be very frustrated by that. But I, I know, I know. But, but all the people who dropped off because they're tired of us droning are really going to appreciate it. Mean, you're not going to miss anything. Congratulations. It's, <laughs> it's again, who, who, okay, we'll end on this very important question, question of life. Who's more insane? The people who listened all the way through one hour and 36 minutes of this show, as it is about, or the people who are going to a Panthers game at the BBT Center in January in the middle of a raging pandemic? Panthers. Panthers? Yeah. I would agree with that because you're not going to catch the virus just sitting here listening to the podcast when you're on your couch. Yeah, I I mean, really it's just like sitting alone in an empty stadium. Basically like sitting alone in an empty stadium on like a Thursday watching the Panthers get, you know, their shit kicked in by like the lightning. Carolina Hurricanes for like the 15th time and this is like the 15th time you've seen the Carolina Hurricanes stop shit kick your team and you're wearing a mask and it's just like what's even the fucking point I paid $20 for parking parking I mean like think about this think about how like the anger most season ticket holders had at the end of last year with this team right or by like at the midway point last year Ah, uh, this is we don't get enough rewards this season. Ticket holders to put up with this crap. You know, there's not even uh what's it what did they have the the uh the Panthers Fest or whatever. There's not yeah. you know, there's not this or that. The parking's like twenty five dollars now, like all this bullshit. And you're gonna all that still applies. But now there's a chance that you could catch COVID nineteen. Catch COVID nineteen. <laughs> And Just imagine all of that plus a deadly pandemic. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I, I would at least wait to see if the hockey team's good first, if the season's even going to last. Like, what happens if, like, you, you end up going to a game, you risk ah, it all, and then... The, and sir, then you're forgetting something. The COVID-19 pandemic respects the shield. That's my joke about the NFL, that COVID-19 doesn't pop up on Sundays. All I know is that... Every home game for the Panthers will still be military appreciation night, and they will. And I bet you. Are they still going to do the some? Oh my God! They might still do some of the same things that they do. If oh, a hundred percent. Oh no! 100%. Oh God! Why do you think that they got all that CARES Act money to pump it right back into this? Ah, well, tax. I don't know if they got CARES Act money. Well, I'm sure they did. I'm sure every every company that wanted CARES Act money that didn't need it well, got I it. I mean, let's be honest. If you're losing, I mean, maybe they could because of you know no, the losses. They, they they um they definitely for 
not furloughing uh, a lot of staff and stuff. They For definitely doing the right follow. thing in the middle of a global pandemic. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that uh, that joke is tongue in cheek, and I make a lot of jokes that aren't. So I just wanted to point that out. Ah. So there you are. Uh, happy hockey season. We will be back. As I said, we'll have a, a very formal, much more formal, as formal as you get on the Y Hockey Show season preview coming up. After the new year, we'll have guests. We'll we'll talk more like like we we spitballed a lot about the Panthers in this particular show, but we've got a lot more ideas on the horizon. I'm excited about it. I have I think this is going to be a fun hockey season just because how weird it is. It was like the bubble was weird, but we enjoyed it because we woke up at noon and you played hockey until midnight, and that's going to kind of be what we see here. It's going to be it's going to be a fun little atmosphere, and it's going to be one of those unique seasons, and it's going to. And hopefully it ends in a very unique, like, worthwhile Stanley Cup final. Oh, there's all this stuff like ads on helmets, but who cares? Uh, and I'm like, oh, the Panthers sponsored saves. An ad on a helmet is normal for them. As far as I haven't done it already. Uh, anyway, good night and good hockey. Happy New Year. We'll talk to you on the other side.